Hello, and welcome back to my story, his story, our journey. This is Miss Mary here, and I just want to thank everybody for tuning in again today for the third crown of all of the crowns that we have been studying. There's five in total, and we are now going into the journey of the crown of rejoicing today, and I'm so excited. I hope you've enjoyed so far uh, the crowns that we've been studying and understood a little bit more about the process and the reason why we actually uh, want to live for Christ. Uh, you know, we we all want to gain some rewards that we can lay before our Savior's feet. Please be sure that you're sharing this podcast with your family and friends, and I am so pleased at uh, all of the countries that it's reached and the people that are listening in. Uh, you truly are my family. You know, God says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And those of you that are still listening just to try to get to know Jesus and to see how uh, he loves people around us. And and I know the crowns are a little bit of a different type of study, but it is so important for those believers to really understand the rewards and to uh, yearn to want to gain those during our lifetime here. I'm looking forward to going into the crown of rejoicing, and I will see you in my part of the story. Welcome back to my part of the story. So I'm not so sure that there's too much more I could add to my part of the story or as to why I wanted to restudy these crowns. Uh, I don't think that they could be studied enough or uh, been read over or gone over enough. I always feel like I always learned something more from restudying these crowns. And I don't know about you, but are you curious about why today's crown would be a crown of rejoicing and what it is that we could do in our lives that would allow the Lord to reward us with a crown of rejoicing. I don't know about you, but rejoicing is one word that I just love to even hear because in today's age, I don't know that we rejoice enough. I don't know that we're thankful enough or we rejoice enough over the good parts of our life. We have a tendency to fall into a murmuring and complaining state of mind um, that even though we should have something every single day to rejoice over or thank God for, we have a tendency more to always lean toward the negative. And uh, to me, that's just another great sign of the truth of the Word of God, which is that we are born sinners. We have a tendency to lean toward the negative. And our sin nature will draw us toward the wicked way of life. Um, I often tell my kids, do you ever wonder why people are more drawn to horror movies than they are a Christian movie? Well, I think there's a reason for that. So, but I am so excited to go into this study of the crown of rejoicing just to see what it is we can truly rejoice over. And like I said, I don't know that there's much more I can add other than uh, this, the study of these crowns did make a, 
a total and complete change in my heart about salvation and not being able to lose salvation but to lose the crowns and it also put a desire in my heart that when I come up against trials or if I come up against a situation even the knowledge of the crowns does make me feel good about the sense that I'm wanting to do everything I could possibly do to earn one of those rewards to be able to lay at my Savior's feet and he is so worthy of that so again I think my part of the story is going to be a little short because we're still focused on this is the reason why I've brought this study up is just for our knowledge of the difference between losing salvation and losing rewards and I will see you in his part of the story where we go into the crown of rejoicing we'll see you there Hello, and welcome to his part of the story. So this is the part where we go into the scriptures to see what the Lord is telling us through his apostles. And we know that the Apostle Paul has written this letter. And where we will be studying is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse... 7 through 20. Now where we will find our actual crown is in verse 19, but like I said, it's so important to read around where the crown is so you will know what is happening and who it is that Paul is speaking with. And of course we know that this is the believers in uh, Thessalonica. So here we are, and let's just jump right in to where he uh, starts in verse 7. And you can read it from verse 1 if you want, but for time's sake, I'm going to start at verse 7. But it says here, Paul speaking, he says, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherishes her children. Now remember, he is speaking to the believers there. So this was at a time where he was with them. And he's reminding them through this letter how gentle he was with them as he uh, stayed with them. Verse 8, it says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto you, any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. You were witnesses in God also, how holy and justly and unblamely we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Verse 11, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you may walk worthily of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. 
For this cause also thank ye God without we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which ye heard from us, you also received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also into you that believe. For ye brethren, because followers of the churches of God, God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus, for you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they please not God, and are contrary to all men. Verse 16. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is coming upon them to the uttermost. 17. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavor the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we should have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. In verse 19, where we see the crown. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his, at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. So we can see here, if we go back to verse 7, that Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians. And he says, But you were, we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherishes her children. So this is a learning point. How are we to act? around our brothers and sisters in Christ and how are we to act around lost people when we're witnessing for God? There's your answer. Paul was the greatest apostle that ever lived and he said his behavior. He makes it clear to us. But we were gentle among you even as a nurse cherishes her children. Well, that's pretty gentle. I know the majority of mothers and how they feel about their baby. And they do cherish them and they do treat them gently. And then it says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. So... I think there's another great lesson. Are we just going out and saying, do you have a church that you go to? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? No, there was so much more that Paul did here. Paul lived with them. He dwelt with them. And he said, it wasn't just to impart unto you the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because we, you were dear to us. So the people that's in your life and the people that you're witnessing to, do they feel that they are dear to you? Do they know that you love them? 
Now, that does not mean that you allow manipulation in your life, and that does not mean that you would be a person that just allows sin to run rampant. We always stick to the Word of God because, like I said, love is a double-edged sword. Love can cut right into the heart with compassion and care, and but love can also do exactly what Jesus did and set the record straight and say, this is acceptable, this isn't acceptable, which is a lesson to us because there is acceptable and not acceptable. I do understand that we will not be punished for our sin because that entire wrath of God was placed upon his son. But that does not mean that we will not hinder the work of the Lord because we are living unacceptable lives. And that is something we will have to face Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. How did we hinder people? How did we hinder the gospel? In what light did we show people Jesus himself on the cross? So Paul says here, he treated them gently and that he not only wanted to give them the gospel, but he loved them. They were dear to him. Verse 9, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. He worked, they worked night and day. You know, if you're living a life for Christ, I think you will often find yourself feeling exhausted sometimes. I think that there's so many people out there that truly do want to be loved, that truly do want to understand and that when the light of Christ is shining through you, they will be drawn to you. There's really only two reactions, and those are the same two reactions we see in the Bible. Either they will come up against you fiercely, as Satan would, or they're going to be drawn to you and want to spend time with you because of the same reason they wanted to spend time with Jesus. They were drawn to a light. They were drawn to love. They were drawn to kindness. And it says here, you know, they worked night and day. You know, often we knew that Paul, he worked as a tent maker. And and even though he had the right to be taken care of by the church, he wasn't afraid to put in the work and whatever it took. Those that gave unto him and took care of him, that was fine. And those that... Um, what didn't have the means maybe to even help take care of him he worked with them so you know I believe when he worked night and day yeah I think that it was both probably teaching and preaching the gospel and working and then it says for ye remember brethren our oh wait a minute verse 10 I'm sorry ye are witnesses and God also how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. So again, we have a teaching moment here. I don't think there's any confusion about it. How are we to act? How are we to represent ourselves as Christians? It says it right here. Holy, justly, and unblameably. You have to ask yourself, are you living a life that somebody will look at you and say, 
They're living a life of holiness as best they can. Are they living a life of justliness? Are they living a life of being unblameable? Are you just to people? Do you stand by what you say and mean what you say and live what you believe? Are you being just all the way across? You know, God is a God of justice. He's not just a God of love. He's a God of justice. So are you holding yourself to that? Do you feel like you're being just with everybody in your life and all the people that you're around to where you will be unblameable? Because being unblameable is important. You know, you never want to be able to give somebody a reason to hold a a blame towards you or to be able to say, "Mm, no, see, I don't believe them because this is how they actually live. And then they can charge you with whatever it is that you've done in their presence. Now, I know this sounds a little bit like, (coughs) I'm so sorry. Like I said, I never rewind these studies because I I'd like for the Holy Spirit just to move and work through me. So I, I apologize for being choked up. But are you living a life that you will not be able to be blamed? You know, it's so important as a Christian. You know, we're not talking about living completely sinless life. But... Are you striving? Are you striving? Do you have a desire in your heart to really look like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to draw people to Jesus? Because if people can find something that they can charge you with or blame you with, it takes so much away from the gospel. It's almost like people don't care. Like I said, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And if you are back and forth on how you're living your life it will be devastating to the gospel because they will not believe you um and then he says ye are witnesses and god also how holy justly and unblameable we behave ourselves among you that believe so he's also saying god knows the truth god also has been a witness to this 11 as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as the father doth his child so he's once again referring back to children and the father like the love that he has for them that he treated them as if they were like his children verse 12 that you would walk worthily of god who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory So he attaches here that the reason he conducted himself in such a manner would be to set the example, just as Christ set the example for us. And like Christ said, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. So again, we see the example. And Paul is saying here, I set the example so that what? So that you could walk worthily of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. So we see we are to walk worthily of God. We are to behave a certain way as a believer. 
13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of uh, from us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So he's now showing you the pattern. You can accept this as the word of God because of how they represented themselves as Christ did. It was important. So Paul shows the importance of living out a life a particular way to where you can give people the truth of the word of God and let it effectually worketh also in you that believe. So the word will do its job, but the deliverer deliverer of the word is really important. How do people see you? Do they see you one way this day and another way the next day? And they're supposed to receive that word as if it came from God. Well, would God be one way this day and another way the next day? I know you're saying, Miss Mary, that's coming awful close to us having to be perfect. No. No, I don't believe we'll ever receive perfection this side of heaven because we can't, because we are in sin sick bodies. But do I believe? That the Holy Spirit of God can have control of your life if you surrender it to Him and allow the Word to penetrate your mind and your heart to the point where it matters to you. That it matters. That God wants you to behave and act a certain way. How do you feel when you disappoint your earthly father or mother? Does it matter to you? Even if you feel like maybe you've done something right, but they didn't approve of it, does it hurt your heart? See, we have to understand that we are in sin sick bodies to understand that if the Holy Spirit is working on us, we should see a difference than what we were used to living. There should be a difference in us. And then it goes on to say, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which is in Judea, are in Christ Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things for your from your countrymen, even as they have had from the Jews. So, are you suffering as well? You know, Jesus says, if they hated me, they will hate you. Blessed are those that are persecuted for my name's sake, for great is their reward in heaven. Are you being persecuted? If not, there's a good chance you don't look anything like Jesus. If not, there's a good chance that when they see you, they see none of Jesus. Because if they see Jesus through you, you will be persecuted because they hated him. And they will also hate you. Especially if this they're a child of Satan. Especially if they absolutely hate the message of the gospel. And then it says, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men. So he's reminding them that these are the same people that killed Jesus and hated him, and they cared not what God thought about it. 
16, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come come the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. So he's upset. You know, they forbid them to be able to preach into the Gentiles. They wanted to, you know, they had opportunities to do so, but as they got more and more persecuted, they were still trying to refrain them from ministering into people. And, you know, Paul's heart and desire was to save their soul. His heart was to show them Jesus, to get them to hear the gospel, to understand what he now understands, which saved his soul. Do you have a heart for people like that around you? Or are you too hung up on their behavior? Because sometimes we can get so appalled by another person's sin nature, which is interesting because we still do. Because if you have something to say about that person and their sin nature, now I'm not saying you have to accept their sin nature, but my point is, is if you have something about their sin nature that absolutely appalls you, then there's a good chance you're revealing the sin in yourself that so easily besets you. So Paul loved them. You know, he he still wanted to preach the gospel to them because he knew that there's no way they would be able to change just like he was not able to change until he had met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then he says, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavor the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. So they were ripped away from them. And he says, you know, but not in our hearts. We are still with you in our hearts. We love you. We miss you. We wish we could see you again face to face. 18, wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Notice that Paul put the blame exactly where the blame should be. Not against the people that ran them out or forbid them to minister unto the people in certain areas, but he put the blame where it belonged. Satan. Satan had hindered them. He held them up because it was a sin nature that caused them to be ran out to start with. And Satan controls that in people until the Holy Spirit of God enters their heart. They will always reject Jesus Christ. They will always not want to hear the message until the Holy Spirit does a work that draws them to him and reveals truth unto them. And then we get to verse 19. For what is our hope and our joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. So he's saying that what is our crown of rejoicing? You. Those of you that believed. Those of you that received us and received the gospel of Christ. You are our crown of rejoicing. This is a crown that we will earn upon the moment of salvation of others. 
when they receive Jesus Christ and they look forward to the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming. Well, I'm going to stop there at his part of the story. And after this short advertisement, I will come back with a little short reading of the commentary on this crown. And I hope you join me for it because it is so good. And um, I think that it will really open up your eyes about how important it is for us to minister the gospel unto people. I will see you in our part of the journey. Welcome back to our part of the journey. So I left you off with Paul explaining to the Thessalonians that they were his crown of rejoicing. He knew he would earn a crown for leading those lost souls and living a life that was not uh, one that could be blamed or we call it being blameless before the eyes of Christ. And he understood that the sacrifices he made and the way he lived his life was so important to the advancement of the gospel and to those around him for them to be able to understand the change in him that had taken place as the Holy Spirit of God had entered his heart. And so in in turn, he would actually gain a reward for those that he had wretched with the gospel. I'm going to read just a little part here in the commentary, which is just wonderful. But it says here, the crown of rejoicing is the soul winner's crown. So now we know why we can rejoice is because a soul had been saved for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a soul winner's crown. What is it that you can put aside? What is it that you can sacrifice of your own self to be sure that this person's salvation is important and that you could reach them with the gospel of Christ. Um, We have to fight our flesh, you know, every day um, and the sin nature. And I know for every believer, there is an acknowledgement of it. There's a point in your mind, in your heart, where the Holy Spirit will convict you and say, don't do it. And you may choose to do it anyhow. So, um, we see here that Paul did represent himself well on behalf of Jesus Christ to be able to reach those around him. And then it says, the greatest work you are privileged to do for the Lord is to bring others to the knowledge of Christ as personal Savior. Notice it didn't say a burden. It didn't say a work. It didn't say a, you know, a Well, I guess really the only other word I can think of is burden. Some people think living a Christian's life is burdensome. Like you got to give up this and this and this and this. But notice what he says. He didn't say anything about a burden. It says a privilege. And I remember saying that many times to my children. To be able to go into a house of God, to be able to pick up that holy book 
that is spoken from the God of this universe into existence. It is a privilege to be able to see it. It's a privilege to be able to read it and study it. There are so many people in other countries that suffer dearly for even having this book anywhere near their presence. Some of them just holding on to a few pages of the Bible to reread and reread. It's a privilege. And it's also a privilege to lead those to the Lord. And then it says, The degree of your joy in heaven will be determined by the souls you have had a part to bring part in bringing to Christ. Paul tells the Thessalonian believers that they are his hope or joy or crown of rejoicing now and when Jesus comes. Number one, it is wise to win souls to Christ and you will find that in Proverbs 11.30. Number two, it is a work against sin to win souls to Christ. You'll find that in James 5.20. Three, it is a cause for joy in heaven to win souls to Christ. You'll find that in Luke 15.10. And number four, every soul winner will shine as the stars forever. Daniel 12.3. How you can win souls to Christ. Witness with your life. Live that others may see Christ in you. That is 2 Corinthians 3.2 and Galatians 2.20. Witness with your mouth, trusting the Holy Spirit to give you power to the spoken word. That's Acts 1.8. Witness by tithes and offering that others may preach Christ and will have fruit, which is reward, that, that may abound to your account. When you give tithe, do you know it goes to missions sometimes? It goes to the Sunday school teachers that need uh, books. It's funny how people feel about tithing. It's almost like they're offended to think that there they go again asking for tithing. Well, is that God's house? Is that your house? Are you a brother or sister? that belong in that house? Do they not need lights? Do we not need heat or air conditioning? Some places don't have it. I know because I've been to them in Romania. They don't have it. What about the Sunday school books? What about the coloring instruments that they use when they're teaching the kids the gospel? take part in that? Do you understand that that's how the house of God is ran? We also support missionaries so when they minister every soul that is saved will be given into your account because you gave money to them to provide for it. Money that ultimately belonged to God to start with because you wouldn't have that job if it wasn't for the Lord. Do you have a problem giving tithe? Do you have a bitter heart about it? Are you more concerned for the money than loving them as a mother would a child? God has promised that your labor will not be in vain in the Lord. That's in 1 Corinthians 15:58. The soul winner will not 
rejoice alone. All of heaven will rejoice with him when he receives the crown of rejoicing. That's John 4:36. So will you be a part? Will you be able to say sometime in your life you've been part of the leading someone to Jesus Christ? Whether you planted the seed or watered it, watched it grow, you know, God does the harvesting. But do you know at one point in time you may have spoken to somebody and then later they ended up coming to know the Lord as their personal Savior? There's going to be so many out there that we won't even know because that person could reach that person, could reach that person, but the Lord will reveal it to us when we see Him in His second coming. I'm looking forward to seeing that day. I'm not looking forward to seeing the moments where I could have had the opportunity and maybe I didn't take the time. Maybe I missed it. It would be sad in my heart that the Lord may be able to reveal to me a time where I missed the opportunity and the person walked by me because I was in too big of a hurry or too busy that day to stop and talk to somebody about our Lord and Savior. Well, that is the third crown, the crown of rejoicing. Now, when we return next Tuesday, we will be going over the crown of righteousness, our fourth crown. I'm looking forward to that time where we uh, come together again and read into our fourth crown. And I'm hoping to see you there. And I will see you next time on My Story, His Story, Our Journey.